Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad I get to be here. It's Sunday night, family night. We don't have children's ministry on Sunday night on purpose. We want, we really want families to worship together, give together, pray together. So we've selected Sunday night to be that night. Got a great word to share with you. And I'm so thrilled that I get to open the Word of God. When I open the Word of God, uh, things become clear. You know, I was, uh, I get up early, and I try not to wake anybody up, so I don't turn on very many lights. And I'm generally getting uh, ready with, without my glasses on. And so it's kind of hard to see sometimes. And I was kind of in a hurry this one morning, not too long ago. And I went to get my deodorant to put it on, and I was out. Now, I used the stick kind with, like, the turn thing on the bottom, and I was out. I didn't have my glasses on. I'm trying to get to prayer. I haven't had any coffee yet. We all know that's a problem. And so uh, in my little cabinet thing was my son's... One of my son's extra deodorants. It's like a spray kind deodorant. I don't really like those. It's like, ha! You know when you shoot yourself? It's cold. I don't like cold. That's why God moved me to Alaska. And so I grabbed his deodorant. And I pushed the button and it, it realized it wasn't deodorant. It was the shaving gel. I couldn't see right. When we, when we open the Word of God, it's like putting our glasses on so we can see right, right? We don't really want to make life decisions without our glasses on. So I hope tonight I can help, you, I can help us put some glasses on about how God works, give us a bigger picture of God. Are you like taking pictures of me? Mr. David, I've never seen you on this side. It's like usually over here. I'm ready. He was trying to be discreet. I got my glasses on. Praise the Lord. We need a bigger picture of God. Amen. Nothing is impossible for God. We need a bigger picture of what that means. We're so limited in our thinking. Our, our brains can't comprehend what God can do. We try, but he's big and he's awesome. He's amazing. So if you would, would you turn in the, uh, take your Bible and turn to the book of Ruth. And while you're doing that, I want to congratulate, and I'm, I'm looking for them. Maybe they're in the lobby. Uh, today, there she is. There she is nodding. No, please, no. Tammy and Scott Choir, 35 years together. <laughs> I was on vacation this week. Uh, my wife and I uh, took a, what do you call it? Lockdown, no phone, intensive uh, vacation to help our kids get caught up from time that we put on events and conferences and outreaches to help them get a lot of homeschool done. I know they were thrilled about that vacation. And uh, some of the office staff said, oh, we missed you. And I was like, well, it's probably because you needed somebody to irritate you. See, my great calling in life is to be irritating. I only do children's ministry when I don't have any, any of that to do. Book of Ruth. Book of Ruth. We're going to read just a few verses, and we're going to get a bigger picture of God. And I hope I can encourage you as much as this chapter has been an encouragement and a life-changing set of events that has inspired my family that God 
is amazing. And I, I hope to just share with you what's in this chapter and what's not in this chapter. And I hope you're encouraged by it. So Ruth chapter 2, our printer is broken down out there. So I printed on one of our backup things. I can't read a word on this thing. Does anybody run into that? You used to be able to read these tiny words. Doesn't happen anymore. Forget it. Ruth 2. Uh, we're going to read a few verses here. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now except for a short rest in the shelter. We'll get to a little more a little bit later. Let's pray. Lord, I know that this is a word from you. Would you please help me to communicate it? Would you give us ears to hear, hearts to receive? Holy Spirit, would you help me, I pray, to get out this amazing passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I got five kids, but there was a time I only had two. And they were little. And so it was Emma and Easton. Easton, who's 13, who thinks he's as tall as I am. I, ha I have to wear my shoes in the house now because I have to have that angle. The angle is diminishing. It used to be like this, and it's just like, anybody know what I'm talking about? You're talking to your kids are growing. Uh, so when they were small, we had to do a wedding in Washington. We were living in Maui at the time. And we decided that while we're doing this wedding in Washington, uh, we were going to take the kids to a national park. So we went to North Cascades National Park. And we decided, I'm going to cut down to the, the, the fun part of the story. We decided we were going to do a family picnic. And so we had this rental car. We're going to do this family picnic way back in like some remote lake deep in the mountains thing. So we turn off on this dirt road and we go a couple miles down the dirt road and we end up at this lake. There's no one else there. There's like a little bathroom there and a sign, watch out for bears, they'll eat you. And, and uh, this, this amazing, you know, beautiful lake, mountains, whatever. And it's kind of, it was kind of a mid-afternoon, late afternoon, you know, like a three or four-ish type thing. And so we decided to get out. We go down to the lake, and we got our little picnic, and we were just doing the whole picturesque picnic lake thing. Uh, Emma was four, and Easton would have been two. So Easton, while we're having this picnic lunch thing, Easton decided to um, have a full diaper. <laughs> so Kimmy decides, oh, I'm going to go up to the car and change him. The diaper bag's up there. Okay, so she's going. And she's gone like an extra long time. So me and Emma are down there and we're throwing rocks in the water. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I turn around and my wife's still up there changing the diaper. And it was like extra long 
time to change a diaper. It must have been one of those 12, 12 wipers. You know, you got to pull out 12. That's usually when a dad's changing the diaper. Experienced moms, it's like one wipe. It doesn't matter what the thing looks like. It only takes one. Dads need one box. So she's up there, and then, you know, finally, she's coming down, and she looks like she's afraid to talk to me. Well, she had locked the keys in the car. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's no cell phones, nothing. And so... So we go up there, and we look at the, the rental car, and it has this nice sticker on there, new, sophisticated, anti-theft, you can't break into this car. Oh, how exciting. Uh, bears. I've never been around bears. So, you know, while we're there, I'm looking over every shoulder. You know, every five seconds, I'm looking for one. And so the sun's going down. It's getting cold. We have on, like, shorts and T-shirt. And I lived in Kihei where it's 90 degrees by 7 a.m. every day. And so I'm not used to, like, cold weather. And so uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, so I hiked. I did a quick hike all the way back to the main road and found some construction guys. And they told me the nearest, like, tow service people that can help you is 50 miles from here. Cha-ching. So I was like, okay, that's not going to work. So we go back, and we're trying to, like, not let the kids see our franticness, maybe. Uh, I don't know another word for that. Panic. Right? Freaking out. Don't want to lose our mind in front of the kids, so we're smiling at them. Hey, this is so great. So uh, this is going to... I, I like to, I, gotta, I, gotta, I lead in with stories, so you just have to wait a moment. So, um, I'm trying to think of ways I'm going to make it overnight without getting eaten by a bear and my kids. So I decide what we're going to do is uh, we're all going to go in the bathroom, and I'm literally going to stay up all night hitting the hand dryer to keep it warm in there, and I'm going to wrap my kids up in toilet paper, <laughs> and they can at least be warm and sleep. That was my plan. That's a good plan. That's all I had. And I could shut the door. The bears ain't coming in there. Hey, that's a good plan. We're, we're just about in tears. Um, and so we, I got everybody together, and I'm going to execute my plan. And I'm like, okay, we got to pray here. And there's a whole lot more to the story, but I'm just getting to the point that leads me into this passage here. And so we hold hands, and I'm holding their little tiny hands, and I'm trying not to break down and cry. I'm not angry. I'm just, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And we pray, oh, God, we need help. It's pretty much all we could say. And we say amen, and we go turn. We're going to go, we're going to go wrap up in toilet paper. And way down the road, it's starting to get dark. So way down the road, we see headlights. And this uh, truck pulls up, and it just happened to be the maintenance guy who was late on his shift cleaning the bathrooms. And he had shown up to clean that bathroom. So we told him our plight, and he said, well, I don't know if this is going to work. I have a radio. I could call the rangers, but today's a special day. There's only one ranger. He's probably gone home for the day. In the whole park, one ranger. So he calls him up, and it just so happened the ranger was driving right by the dirt road and pulled right in to come help us. Hold on, it gets even better. So the ranger comes all the way down there, and we tell him what's happened. I'm filled with so much hope. I'm just like, thank God there's another like human out here somewhere. And uh, so then he tells me, well, the... Whatever, whatever government thing just passed a law, the park rangers cannot assist people in the park who have locked their keys in their car. 
so I can't help you. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Who makes up something like that? And then he says, but it just so happened that I got in the mail yesterday something I had ordered, and I'm dying to try it out. I ordered one of those balloon, mesh balloon things with the little pump. I don't even know the name of them. But you just kind of wedge the door, slide it, and then pump it, and it pops the door open. And the guy says, I'm not on the clock, and I'm dying to try it out. Would you let me try it out on your car? So my wife and I get in the car with our kids and wept all the way out of that park at God's amazing ability to orchestrate things for his kids. What? It's just one story of, of, and I'm sure you have stories like that. We live in a world that is fascinated with this thing called coincidence and luck. And usually it uh, has regards to do with money and success. We think there's something lucky or some coincidence that puts things in order for people. And if only we could have that coincidence or that lucky moment for us, we've all had thoughts like that. I know I have, where you look at someone who has something you don't have and you have this luck thought that comes in your mind. They're so lucky. Kids readily pick up on it when it's Christmas time and they see a gift that somebody else got and they go, oh man, they're so lucky. There's something about coincidence and luck that mesmerizes us. As if there's some sort of cosmic force at play and just randomly picks people to do something good for. And it's like a worldwide phenomenon that if only that cosmic force would somehow pick me. And it even enters into our theology when we start looking at God. Remember I didn't have my glasses on and I picked up the, the shaving gel? We look at God without true glasses on sometimes and we have the wrong picture of him that somehow he's good to another, some one person but he's not good to us or we're waiting on him to be good to us. Or somehow he's arranged something wonderful for someone if only he would do that for us. And we have this story of Ruth. What an amazing story. And if you've never read the book of Ruth, go home and read it 20 times tonight and start digesting some of the things you see and some of the things you don't see. And you look at this one particular passage that I just read and it appears that Ruth has had a turn of luck or that it's just the coincidence that she just happened to land in this guy Boaz's field. But when you compare it to the rest of Scripture and you see the picture of God, there is no way on this earth she just stumbled upon some luck and ended up in Boaz's field. It's an amazing story. And I want to share with you what you see in this passage, a couple of things we see, and definitely some things you don't see, and maybe help us see a different picture of God. And I'm I'm gonna try to preach from an iPad. Look at this. It's probably normal for you to use an iPad to read things. I like paper. I know, I'm old than I used to be. All right. Tragedy is, is thinking that life is like the lottery. Making your life like a lottery and putting your hope that maybe one day this is going to happen for me. What a tragedy. To think that that's how God orchestrates, is that one day something great will happen to me and some amazing turn of events will take place and my whole life will be different. We tend to think that way 
And we envy people that we think we have, that have had some lucky moment. We envy them. Something inside us says, I wish that was me. And so we look at this picture of Ruth, and the first thing I want to communicate is there's no coincidence in the kingdom of God. That's not how God works. It's not God's way of being the Lord of everything is to make just something random choices that happen. That's not the right picture of God. To believe in chance and luck and coincidence actually demeans who God is. Okay, now think about it. God has created things that the brightest minds can't comprehend, can't duplicate, can't fathom. Go out and look at the sunset and try to tell me what colors it is. Just to try to tell you what color it is is so hard because we're used to basing what we call colors on a box of Crayolas. And if you were me, I only had the eight pack. So I only knew eight colors. That sunset's not in my eight pack. What color is that? If you were super lucky, you might have had the 164 pack. And I sat at my desk looking at you going, I wanted that pack. Please don't go buy me crayons. Listen, the last time I told stories like that, people bought me ding-dongs for months. Please, I don't want any more ding-dongs. Please don't go buy me crayons. But you know what I'm saying. I'm giving you a picture. You looked at... So we, we have a hard time coming up with how to describe... Okay, that's orange. But you look at the orange in your Crayola box, and it ain't the same orange. What color is that? You don't have a color for it. It's red-orange. Red-orange. That's the best you can come up with to describe amazing colors that you see every day in a sunset. What else did God create? God created things that can't find the end of the universe. But he's, there's so many stars, he's named them all. What an amazing God we serve. We can't, we can't, our minds can't conceive how amazing he is. Even in the simple things of life. To say that somehow luck and coincidence is involved in his abilities to create and be the Lord of all is demeaning to him. Have you ever thought about some of the phrases and the way you think is demeaning to God? But those phrases are, to put your hope in luck is demeaning to God. To put your hope that um, coincidence or fate that's a good word that Hollywood likes to use and some weird religions like to use this thing called fate. That somehow fate, you need fate to smile on you is so demeaning to the living God. So we have Ruth here and she, let me just do a little review. So if you haven't read the book, she lived in the country of Moab, and her mother-in-law is this lady, Naomi. Naomi lives in Bethlehem. She marries Elimelech. They move away. Elimelech dies. Their sons die. And Ruth, who had married one of their sons, ends up, it's just them two and her sister now. And they decide to go back to Bethlehem. So Ruth is not from Bethlehem, and she's not a Jew, she is a Moabitess. She's a foreigner to where Naomi is from. Naomi takes her with her. Now they're back in Naomi's homeland. And Ruth is there living as a foreigner. Okay, and then she up and decides she's going to do something to provide some food. They did not have financial ability to go out, purchase food. They didn't have a field to go get their own food from. 
They didn't have any way, they didn't have their own animals. They were only in need. Her great brilliant idea was, I'm going to go pick up some leftovers and I hope somebody drops something that we can eat tonight because that's what I'm going to go, I'm going to do something and I'm going to go get that. And uh, so when we see this phrase, as it turned out, it's the one phrase I want you to take home tonight. As it turned out. An amazing phrase for the life of Ruth. As it turned out, she ended up in this guy's field named Boaz. And not only in Boaz's field, but on the day he returned from a long trip and he notices her. All these little pieces line up for Ruth's life. Now let me give you something you don't see. You don't see Ruth fasting for 21 days before she made a decision which field she was going to go get in. You don't see her following three angels, a dream, and someone like the Son of Man standing on her door knocking on it saying, you need to go to this field. You don't see that. It's not in this story because it didn't happen. Something else is at work here besides these traditional ways we see in the Old Testament that God directed people to do something. We see something that you and I can do every day. We see something that's so real and so tangible for you and I, it's impossible to miss this. And it's in the phrase, as it turned out. Let me back up again and bring you back to where Ruth came from. She is going through a transition. A few months ago when I had an opportunity to preach, that's what I preached about, Ruth's transition. How she went from Moab, serving the gods of Moab, to meeting Naomi, to getting into Bethlehem, and the transitions and the statements and the declarations she made along the way that positioned her. So when we find her in this story, as it turned out, she's already made these de declarations. She's going to stay with Naomi. Your, God, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I am committed and so we find her going into this man's field. When she goes into the field, if it, was, if it was a movie you were watching, it would be like one of those slow motion building up with epic music. Na, 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 na. She's about to step into his field. Na, 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 na. I'm going to fall over on these plants. You, if we were watching this in a, in a movie, that's what it would be like. And then it would be... Na, na, na. She stepped into this field. Yeah, big deal. You haven't read the story. So the person who she's landed in is a relative of Naomi's from the clan of Elimelech. And the fact that she landed in this guy's field has positioned her for something she could have never dreamed of. So let's take a look at some things here. Ruth steps into the field. The first thing I want you to note is she took action. She didn't wait, like I said, for three dreams and a vision and a burning bush before she was willing to do something. She took action. She didn't sit there and whine about their plight and say, well, Ruth, are you going to do anything or not? Are you going to do anything to take care of me or not? She took action herself. And we find that with her actions, she had implications with her actions beyond her greatest imaginations and understanding. She just did something besides sitting around. It's not a lucky pick. It was God's great orchestrations at work. Oh, that is so encouraging to me. Because I make decisions every day, and I know you do too, and I'm hoping they're going to turn out good. 
especially as a dad. Okay, I don't have it all figured out. I need God's help. I pray that the decisions I'm making turn out. I pray for my kids every day. I need help as a dad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Decisions with money. Oh, I hope I'm making good decisions. God, help me make good decisions. And this passage encourages me because we see a simple, what seems to be insignificant decision on Ruth's part ends up being one of the greatest decisions somebody in the Bible ever made. We'll look at that in a second. God directing her seemingly insignificant choice. God, the author of history, acting with her simple decisions that she made. Now we know she's in position for God to direct her because of the declarations that she's made. The commitments that she made. She left behind the foreign gods. She took on the God of Israel. She's made declaration. I'm all in for the God of Israel. She's positioned herself for God to direct her steps. What do we know about God? Being the author and, and, and the creator of history itself. We know he's a master baker. So we like to do baking in my house. And my daughter make, is a great baker. She's got some kind of special gifting. And I know it's not just because she makes them when we're dying for chocolate. And no matter what chocolate flies out, we're just going to eat it and love it. But she does, um, she likes to do baking. And when we were kids, we used to do, when we were kids, when she was little, uh, she used to do lots of baking with her grandpa and with me and Minister Kimmy. And it's fascinating to me to relate God to being a master baker. Because when you're baking, you have lots of little things that add up to be something amazing and delicious. And everything that you put in them, none of it's wasted. So one of our, our favorite things to make are these meringue cookies. And uh, we just lose our mind. Uh, they're the, I think they're a special kind of keto. As... And you have to be special people to eat the special kind of keto ones. You may have an adverse reaction to them, but we don't. <clears throat> so in making these meringue cookies, it calls for like an eighth of a teaspoon of cream of tartar. If you eat that stuff by itself, it tastes disgusting. Right? But if you add it into your mixture the whole thing becomes amazingly delightful. I think we're going to go home and make some tonight. I just decided. That may have been the word of the Lord. I don't know. Yeah, look at the front row. But God's a master baker. Nothing's wasted. He uses it all to make something amazing. That's what we know about God. That's why when I say that he's the God of history, he's the God of your history, taking all the parts even the ones that taste disgusting all by themselves, and puts them in something to make you, your life, your children, and the generations after you amazing and not delicious, but awesome. He's the master orchestrator. He puts things in order and lines them up. When you look at Genesis 1, he didn't create fish and then go, Oh my goodness, how are they going to breathe? We better make something for them to breathe in. He didn't do that. He didn't create animals and then suddenly realize they needed something to eat. He went in order. And God's the great orchestrator. He goes in order. He created the things, layers like that. We don't have to understand how he does those things to believe that he does. We can look at the word. Three takeaways from this passage here. And, and we're going to now just kind of look at these three things as we kind of uh, walk our way through her. First of all, God is doing much more than you can see him doing. What a great confidence 
for us who don't see exactly what we're looking for, right? Sometimes we make decisions of faith and we think that a lot of things are going to happen after we make that great decision of faith and we stand there looking for those things and we don't see them. And you're wondering, okay, wait a minute. You know, that's just absolutely how it works. Um, My family and I have made, my wife and I have made decisions before that were life-altering, life-changing. I'll give you one of them. So I had these uh, series of dreams, and I I probably shared this. Many of you have heard before, probably. Uh, We were living in Maui, and uh, I had this series of dreams. We had no intention of moving. And in these dreams, God clearly, audibly, clearly spoke to me and said, you're moving to Oregon. But I'm not in Oregon. I'm in Alaska. I I know that's not news to you. So we made this decision to uproot and, and travel across the ocean with our kids. And it took months to move and get there. And we get there, finally, because I know God spoke to me to do this. So we made this series of decisions that got us there. We're finally there. And then the, the very things we were looking for, for God to do, you know, you know, part the Red Sea, water coming from a rock, angels floating in our house. Well done, well done. Money falling from heaven. You made the choice. You stepped out in faith. Well done. Not, none of those happened. Oh, that's all right. It's, it's, we're here. It's the first week. God's going to do something great. It's right. A year goes by, and we, we, we frequently had... Uh, discussions. Um, I, don't, I don't see what I'm looking for. Do you see what you're looking for? I don't see what I'm looking for. Do you see what you're looking for? You know, that's really challenging. And I'm sure you're the same way where you've made a big step of faith with something in mind that should follow that step of faith that proves you made a right choice. And we love that because we want to be, you know, we want to feel qualified in our decision that we made. Something better happen right away. Well, something didn't happen right away. We're in Oregon. I obeyed. Wait a minute. Hello. God, I obeyed. I think I reminded him a hundred times a day. I obeyed. But what I was looking for, I didn't see. I didn't even see any of it. Okay, how about just not like money falling from the sky, but how about just a dollar? Can just like somebody lose a dollar and it blows into my... You know what I'm talking about? How about when you give in the offering and you're like, I made a big sacrifice, and then you're thinking the next day, like... You know, the armored truck's going to crash into your house and say, I don't know what to do with all this. Can you just take all this? I know because we've made those decisions and we continue to make those decisions. But I also know God responds. So God is doing more than you can see him doing. So we were in Oregon for a year. And Dr. Morocco called me up and said, my brother, Pastor Kristen, I'm going to need you guys to move. What? I obeyed. God spoke to me. I obeyed. My brother, Kristen, I'm going to need you to move. So in in the uh, decision uh, he presented some options for us to move to. So here, here's some places that could use your specialized giftings that you bring to the team. Wait, he'll be here next week and be like, no, 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 no. I don't know if you ever had a conversation with him. <laughs> so <clears throat> he gave me four op- he gave me four options to move my family to, and Alaska wasn't any of them. 
what are we doing here? What are we doing here? It wasn't one of the, it wasn't one of the four. Three weeks goes by. I wouldn't answer because I'm like, I can't go to any of those. Pastor Daniel, my good friend, calls me up and says, here, I, I, ha- I hear you're having trouble making, let's pray together. And by the way, have you ever thought about coming to Alaska? It wasn't one of the four. So I'm like, no. I don't want to go to any of them. Well, and you say, well, pray about it. I'll talk to a doctor. Maybe it'll be one of the options, you know. So we picked Alaska to come to Alaska because it was the most desirable out of the least likely options, and it wasn't even on our radar. Is that a good way to say that? I didn't want to come here. Let me, let me, let me just tell you something. This is semi, it's so amazing because um, it was just a couple of years ago, um, Pastor Daniel asked us to look at the drawing plans for the new building. And some of you have probably heard this before, but when I was on Maui and I had those series of dreams, the last dream I had was of a giant warehouse and specifically in this warehouse was an entire wall of windows. And the dream was so real. I know I went there and I was standing in this big warehouse somewhere cold. And there's big windows and there was uh, mountains of salmon flying into this warehouse. It's filling up. Huge. And I've kept a hold of that dream, so Pastor Daniel hands me the drawings and says he wants my input, and I'm open the drawings, and I'm looking around. He wants my input on, like, some children's area or something. And I said, well, this wall right here, is this the lobby? Yeah, that's the lobby. This wall, did you just see that? It's like spit something out right there. Sorry if I hit you guys. What's up with this wall right here? Why does it look different? He goes, oh, that's because the entire wall is windows. Did you hear what I just said? It's the dream I had in 2012. I saw the wall of windows and how many people are going to fill that building. I didn't, I didn't have three dreams of vision and Jesus standing at my door saying, go to Alaska. God told me to go to Oregon. That makes absolutely zero sense to me. And to you, but I don't serve you or me. I serve the master orchestrator. And just option number five on the side, if it happens to work out with doctor, maybe you could, maybe you could move to Alaska. I didn't want to come here, but God ordained for me to be here and stand in there building and look at the windows and see the place filling with people. As it turned out, I'm in Alaska. As it turned out, where does God have you today? Whose field are you about to walk into? Whose field are you already in and you just don't know it yet? God is doing more than you think he's doing. And so I've eaten up with stories here. But let me just give you some things. Um, first of all, God is doing more than we can see Him doing. Secondly, we must operate from this passage. We have to be a people that will operate in prayer and action. I can't help but thinking that if God would direct the steps of a foreigner who wasn't a Hebrew, who didn't spend time praying and fasting, how much more would He direct your steps that He paid for with His own blood who gave and tore the curtain in two so you could have access to him, how much more would he do for you who's been grafted in? You're his child. You're his son and daughter. How much more would he do for you than he would do for Ruth? She She didn't deserve to have God do good things for her. She wasn't a part of his chosen people. But you are. 
And so am I because of what Jesus did on the cross. He'll do even more for you. How can we not be a people of prayer? When that's the, that is the mechanism he put in place to access him. How much more will he do? Why don't you find out? Become a person of prayer and find out exactly what all he'll do for you. Um, so we must operate through prayer and action. We can trust he's directing our steps regardless of what they look like. We don't always see the evidence that confirms our choices. In Ruth, there was a process unfolding while she was working. So if you'll notice, Boaz had a conversation with his uh, workers and said, who's that girl over there? She was working and just doing what she was doing. But behind the scenes, there was a process that was unfolding that she didn't know about. A conversation was happening. So whatever it is you're going about doing, serving, praying, there's much more mechanisms that are happening and taking place. Take action. Don't sit around waiting on God to hit you with a cattle prod to get you to do something for Him. Get it, get serving, get praying, get on a team and start serving. It's it's so easy. You know, Dr. Morocco, who I've we've tried to pattern our life after, says it's easier to direct a rocket once it's moving than to try to get it to go somewhere and it's not even moving. <clears throat> we must believe that God is creating amazing destiny out of our ordinary daily choices. Is God big enough to do that? Well, it did... It, it, it de determine well. It uh, it matters your picture of God. What kind of picture do you have of God? Seemingly infer okay. Her seemingly insignificant choice opened the door for an amazing destiny. So follow along, chapter two, verse eight. Boaz gives her amazing favor, and I threw an adjective out there on purpose. Because it's amazing favor. She was a foreigner. He didn't deserve anything good from her. But he gave her favor. Anybody would like some favor? She Remember, she'd already positioned herself. And through her daily just routine and choices, I'm going to go get some grain, find somewhere. She ends up there. And favor comes her way. Boaz gives her honor. Verse 14, he invites her to come eat with him for lunch and all the workers. I'm sure the workers' mouths went. Breathtaking honor. Blew everybody's mind. Uh, guys, he just invited the foreigner to come eat with us. They're probably all staring at her. The next verse, verse 15, he then commands protection for her. The next verse, he gives her abundant provision and even tells his men to throw down stuff for her to pick up. Ruth, on the first day, walks away and, has, and, and her mother-in-law sees her and goes, Where did you get that? She's got so much grain from, from begging and picking up the leftovers. It was from God's great orchestration. She had a testimony that other people saw how good God had been to her. The story of Ruth is not a happenstance decision that she made. It was God's great orchestration. And I'm here today on this Sunday night to tell you God is orchestrating for you. God is at work for you. You may not see exactly what you're looking for from decisions, but I'm telling you, he honors steps of faith. He's faithful to his promises. He is no man's debtor. He will keep his word. 
He will be faithful to what he has said, what he has promised. He will do it. The last thing that I wanted to share with you is God is directing yourself, directing your steps. So Ruth had to be in a position for God to do that. And as I said earlier, she had made these declarations. You can be in a position like that. It starts with making Jesus the Lord of your life. That phraseology means he's the boss of your life. Not your Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening. He's the boss of your every day. Secondly is to be a person of prayer. The third thing is enlarge your menu of God's abilities. You ever go to like a food place or a coffee place and they've expanded their menu and now it's like hard to find the thing you always got? Even though you're just going to walk up there and say the same thing you've said a hundred times. Now you can't find it up there because they like added food that you didn't, you don't even care if they added. They added peanut butter sandwiches and you don't care. But there they are. And so the menu's bigger. We need a bigger menu of what God can do. You have to start saying to yourself, God can do anything. There's nothing impossible for God. The last thing that we've got to, that I wanted to share is from the New Testament, and it's the entire book of Acts. So if you'll turn to Acts, I'm going to read the entire book of Acts. Just kidding. If you've read the book of Acts, what you find is that the Holy Spirit directs their decisions all the time. In fact, they make room and invite him. Holy Spirit, would you direct my steps? He directed their steps with time and personnel. Who's doing what? Locations. Closed doors that they didn't want, God didn't want them to go to. Live by the Spirit. If, if you're just a, you know, come to church on Sunday and get your religious check mark, you're not getting yourself into position for God to do those things. There's so much more. It's called life by the Spirit. So, those of you, you've made, first of all, those of you, you've made some sacrificial decisions and you, you don't see what you're looking for yet, I want you to know God will be faithful. Don't you give up. I've got a hundred more stories to tell that I could share. They would take way too long. I know what I'm talking about. Those of you that you're waiting on like God to part Red Seas for evidence that he's done something, get a bigger menu. He's directing your steps. Ask him to direct your steps. God, would you be involved in what I'm doing today? The decisions I'm making. I want to applaud you, those of you that have made scary steps of faith. You're believing God is going to respond and you've made significant steps of faith. I don't know what they are, but I know there's a lot of them sitting in this room. Good job. I'm telling you, good job. Great people of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. God's going to do great things for you. I want to encourage you from the life of Ruth. As it turned out is coming for you. And not just once. Because that's the way he works. It's not like one for your life and that's it. That was it. That was the one. And then you tell your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, remember the one. What he's done once He'll do it again. He's going to honor your faith. He's going to honor your choices. You got to get yourself in position. 
Are you in position for God to direct your steps? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Do you live in daily surrender? Or is it just something you do on Sunday so that you feel better the rest of the week? It's a daily thing. Daily surrender. The Lord of my life. If you haven't done that today, I want to help you. Those of you that are watching online, either right now or at a later time, I want to help you make that decision and get yourself into position. And I'm dying to hear your testimony as it turned out. Would you stand with me this evening? Our time is almost up. Thanks for being patient for me to try to get this out. This passage of scripture is so personal to my family because this has happened to us over and over and over again. And it will continue to happen because that's how God is. This is a story of increase. It's a story of multiplication. The word over our church for 2019, I am blessed and I will multiply. We see it in Ruth's life. Multiply. Go home and read the book of Ruth. Read it to your kids and tell them, God's going to do this for you too. Ruth became the great-grandmother of King David. She married Boaz. Their son's name was Obed. Their grandson's name was Jesse. Their great-grandson's name was David. And he became the king of Israel. And on down the line of great-great-de-great-greats, we find the Lord King Jesus. God is the great orchestrator. He's got so much great planned for you. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. The great God who you can't conceive and you can't perceive even the things he's made is working on your behalf. He is able. I want to encourage you. What a great word. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you to make sure Jesus is the Lord of your life. If you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I'm so glad you can hear me right now. Today is your day. If you're not sure, uh, if Jesus is still sitting on the throne of your heart, you're not sure he might not be let's pray together let's get that way let's get ourselves in position for God to start shifting navigating the great and wondrous orchestrations of our God would you pray with me today come on won't you close your eyes for a moment bow your heads and won't you write out loud make this declaration <laughs> similar to what Ruth declared. Say it with me. Say, Dear God, I choose today. You're my God. And I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. I believe in my heart. I say with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's going to direct my steps. He's going to turn things to good. And as it turns out, I am blessed and I will multiply because the great God is working on my behalf and he's doing more than I can see him doing. And I'm putting all of my hope in him. Thank you, God, for loving me and hearing my prayer. I declare it. I'm going to live it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise today. All right, praise the Lord. So, 
Our time is up together today. I'll be preaching Wednesday night. I want to encourage you Wednesday night. Be, be in prayer this week for the Brackens as Pastor Daniel's away. We have prophetic teams that are here on Sunday night. They'd, they'd be delighted to give you the word of the Lord. Believe God for a prophetic word for you, your family, whoever it is. You can meet them right up here at the front. I'm going to ask Pastor Vince to come to close our time out in prayer. God is doing more than you can see him doing. Pastor Vince, would you close us in prayer? We thank you for your anointed word, Lord, tonight, God. May it be engrafted into our hearts, Lord, and become a part of our lives, God. That we should always have faith in you, Lord, to do the impossible, Lord, to do the unexpected, to show up and show yourself strong on behalf of those who trust you, God. And we just thank you, Lord, for, the, for that word tonight, God. And we ask you to bless each and every last one here, God. May we leave different than what we came. We may be more of, full of faith, Lord, more full of expectancy for you to show up and show yourself strong, even in our darkest circumstances and situations, God. May we grab a hold, Lord, to the hem of your garment, Lord, and walk stronger, walk straighter, walk more upright, Lord, than we've ever done before. Bring your blessings in and through our lives, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.